0: Seven,
1: six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening. And welcome to another evening of Dr. Clip Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. And we have a great lineup for you tonight. All right. We're going to first introduce our co-host who with us. And then we will introduce our special guest, the commissioner of the CIAA conference is Jackie McWilliams Parker. And first, my co-host, Dr. Marlo Kemp. Tell everybody, hello, Dr. Kemp.
2: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Glad you're tuning in to listen.
1: All righty, thank you, Dr. Kemp. And all the way from Fisk University, the volleyball gamer, none of them is Joelle Bowers. Tell everybody, hello, Joelle
3: hello everyone good evening i'm still saying happy new year through uh january good evening uh, everyone
1: all righty thanks so much joelle we want to thank you for our listeners who are in the audience tonight and um we want to start out tonight's show with a 10 second moment of silence all right as we celebrated this month, Dr. Martin Luther King, we have a sad note today concerning his one of his sons, Dexter King. And I'm going to let uh, Dr. Kemp enlighten us on this segment. Dr. Kemp.
2: Sure. Good evening, everyone, in case you didn't hear the news. Um... Dr. One of Dr. King's and Mrs. Uh, Coretta Scott King's son passed away yesterday, January 22nd. Dexter Scott King born January 30th, 1961, and as we said, again, passed away yesterday, January 22nd, 2024. He was an American civil and animal rights activist. He was an attorney and an author. He was the second child of Dr. King and Mrs. Coretta Scott King. And he was, the, of course, the brother of Martin Luther King III, Bernice King, and Yolanda King. He was uh, born at Children's Healthcare in Atlanta. He was actually named after the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, where Dr. King was the pastor before moving to the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Um, he was seven years old when Dr. King was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee and he and his brother Martin III was actually watching television at the time when the story flashed um, about the shooting. Um, Dexter King and his siblings were assured an education thanks to the help of um, the actor Harry Belafonte as well as others who set up a trust fund for them years prior to Dr. King's death. King attended the Democratic National Convention in 1972, which led him to gain an interest in politics. He attended Morehouse College where he studied business administration from 1979 to 1984. He left Morehouse before graduating.
1: All righty. Thanks so much. We are saddened. One of the things in his death I heard is um, his sister, Bernice King, she was speaking uh, to the media that he had a 20 year battle with prostate cancer. Something we know that runs rampant in the African-American community. And we are just encouraging all of our African-American to make sure that you uh, see your uh, position and make sure you stay on top of that prostate and that PSA levels, okay? Joelle, tell us what do you think? Dr. King, we've been covering him all month and now his son,
3: has passed yesterday Joelle yes um condolences to the family during this time and I regret the passing of Dexter King but um there is no but about this eyes for prayers for their family and this affects the whole world the King family has lost some people but they would carry on I, I watched the video from uh bernice king on youtube and one thing she did say about this she said with the passing of uh dexter that business will continue she said in profit and nonprofit, so work is going to carry on he worked right up to the end the entire family put in he was only 62 and to die from cancer so may we all work on the health and well-being of ourselves and may we keep on and and just uplift maybe we would give them encouragement by carrying on so thank you at this time
1: thank you joelle of course the king family they've given us so much and continue to and we want to keep our prayers around them at this time that's the all righty now we want to continue on our women of the month as we normally do and um this great coach C. vivian stringer Uh, She retired a few years ago after 50 years of being a college head basketball coach. She retired with 1,055 wins. She had four Final Four appearances, 28 NCAA tournament appearances. And what C. Vivian Stringer said at that time, she says, my life has been defined by coaching, and I've been on this journey for over five decades. It is rare that someone gets to do what they love for this long, and I have been fortunate to do that. She loved Rutgers and the incredible opportunity they offered her, and the tremendous victories that her and her team there, her final team, achieved together. She is, uh, was 74 at the time. She didn't coach in the 2021-22 season due to COVID-19 concerns, but Coach Stringer's legacy as she finished at Rutgers will be uh, felt forever. And I just want to get um, your opinion and some thoughts, uh, Joelle, some more thoughts on Coach C, Vivian Stringer, the legend.
3: Yes, coach C Vivian Stringer, a true trailblazer. She is 70 in her 70s and she has continued to go on. You said 2021 during the COVID and coming she's continued to go on. So those of us who are younger or a little bit behind this trailblazer, she's showing us we don't have to give up our heart our desires and our talents and think of how many people she has affected how many teams how many families uh she's just phenomenal and not only that with winning record so oh, yeah. thank you yeah
1: thank you. 1055 wins she's the only coach african-american male or female to go over 1,000 wins. Dr. When we only have one more week with, with her. Give us your thoughts on Coach C. Vivian Stringer, our Women of the Month.
2: Sure, one of my favorite coaches um, that I used to enjoy watching coach. Um, what I also enjoy about Coach Stringer is just, you know, she paved the way, like I always say, for um, our young coaches um, that's coming along now. Um, and in addition to her collegiate level, Um, Of course, some people may not know that she um, was actually in the international arena where she was the assistant coach for the gold medal 2004 U.S. Olympic team. Um, Her first USA basketball experience, you know, came as an assistant for the bronze medal 1980, um, the USA Jones Cup team and um she was just a phenomenal coach we will always you know be up there with everyone else so um we definitely um happy to that she was around to pave the way for um, our younger coaches
1: yes thank you so much dr kemp again we have one more week with her coach c vivian stringer yes we like to welcome our 10 engaged listeners who are on the line and the other seven that are in the chat. And uh, we have a special, special treat for you tonight as we uh, welcome to the show the commissioner, Ms. Jacqueline Williams-Parker of the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association. Uh, Commissioner Parker was named the commissioner for the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, CIWA in 2012, and she became the first female to serve as commissioner for the CIAA and was the first appointed African-American female commissioner representing the NCAA divisions 1, 2, and 3. Prior to becoming a commissioner, uh, Commissioner Parker spent nine years at the NCAA among managing NCAA championships to include both the men's and women's Division I basketball tournaments. She started a career in coaching, compliance, and administration at Virginia Union University with career growth opportunities at the CIAA, Norfolk State University, and Morgan State prior to the NCAA. Her education consists of a Bachelor of Arts degree in Psychology from Hampton University and a Master of Arts in Sports Management and Administration from Temple University. She was a two-sport athlete at Hampton and a member of the Hampton University's 1988 NCAA Division II Women's Basketball Championship. She's also a standout in volleyball as well. A few, a few of her boards that she serves on, the John D. McClendon Foundation Board, Doug Williams Central Advisory Board, a member of the Crown Jewels Links to Charlotte, NCAA emerging leaders and annual speaker. And then, during her time since 2012 as commissioner, a few of the things she has done for the CIAA. She launched the new CIAA logo. She improved overall financial bottom line for CIAA by more than $2.1 million. She broke into course partnership with aspired to television, football, and basketball games. She's done so much more, but we want to meet her. Let's welcome her to the show commissioner, Jackie McWilliams parker how you doing commissioner how you doing good
4: it's good to be here i'm enjoying all this
1: great conversation about amazing people so thank you so oh. much. well thank you and we're so glad to have you on the show um i'm going to let my co-hosts who are with us tonight dr Kemp, i think you know her but i'll let her
2: say hello on the air Hey, Doctor Campbell. Hi, Commissioner <laughs> Parker. How are you? Good to have I'm you. Awesome.
4: <laughs> thank you.
1: All right. And we're also going to let uh, Miss Joelle
3: Bowers say hello to you. Joelle. Hel- hello, Commissioner Jackie McWilliams Parker. How are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, we want to thank also your staff for helping um get you through. And we also have Thanks. another member of our staff, Ms. Terry Williams. And she's a, a, a graduate of Virginia Tech University, a WNBA right. draft back in 2002, a singer, a scientist, and we call her the Triple Threat. Terry, say hello to Commissioner Parker from the CIAA. Terry? Welcome, Commissioner,
5: to the podcast. We're so thrilled to have you.
1: Thank you. All right, now. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. All righty. So, Commissioner Parker, tell us. How do you go from playing at Hampton, or you would take us back further, as a college athlete and a champion, to commissioner of the CIAA and the first one? Tell us how that happened.
4: Wow, that's, that's a different question. Um, <coughs> the way you asked it, Dr. B, I'm like a journey. I, I would say a journey of faith, a journey of opportunity, a journey of, Um, uh, sponsors, mentors, um, and a journey of challenges. Um, Hampton was, you know, I would say saved my life being able to play the sports that I love to play and being able to play two sports um, and being able to play with some incredible women that are still my sisters and friends to this day Um, and being under administration that saw my potential probably more than I saw, I was a walk on at Hampton. That's yeah. where I wanted to go, um, scholarships other places, but Hampton from Colorado to Virginia, I just, that, to me, that was the, the Harvard of the South that I heard about on the water by the beach. So mm-hmm. to get there was a blessing that my parents allowed me to go and walk on and, um, and contributed to my first year. And I earned a scholarship. I think the hard work and being in the right circles, having the right people around me, Um, letting the wrong people go, even as an athlete, Um, but finding my way, you know, from listening um, and understanding that there's something way beyond just playing the game. I even thought, you know, Olympics. I I used to dream about being a gymnast. I dreamt about playing in the Olympics as a volleyball player, setter. Debbie Green, like I saw Flo Hyman, never that big, but definitely could see them and, and dreamt about it. So I think dreaming you know, that I could go to school and play in college, that I could be an administrator. And ultimately, you know, Dr. B, this job was my dream job. And I dreamt about it. I saw myself interview. I bought my suits before the job came open. I prepared myself mentally and spiritually for the opportunity. I was clear with my supervisors at the NCAA that I wanted to be prepared to be the next commissioner. I didn't know when it would happen. But I needed to learn and be in the circles of influence, and they they did that. And it's very rare that could happen. Um, but there were still challenges along the way, you know, every single way, from being a black female, always being the youngest or always being, you know, um, a woman, and whether I was with black men, black women, white women, yeah. white men, those challenges still existed along the way. but very fortunate to have you know, a journey of people who did support me. Um, but my own faith, I believe in trusting in myself and believing that I could do anything, as my mom would say, you can do all things in crisis strength and do that through every challenge from college to being at Virginia Union coach with the men's team um, with Ben Wallace, like I had a lot of firsts um, that I don't ever talk about. But they were
1: opportunities that grew
4: me to be, I guess, the person that I am today and the leader I desire to be um, for my team, but other people who that I, I get to connect with every single day.
1: Now, Hampton, and correct me, I'm, I'm trying to get the years down. when you were playing, have they broken off to the Miac or were they still a part of the CIAA?
4: Hey, Ned, we were CIAA. We still CIAA for life. I don't care. Hampton, I
1: love my school
4: (laughs) and they're not even in the MEAC anymore. Yeah, they didn't branch off till 1990. I think it was 96 or 97. That's when I started working in the conference office. Norfolk State had left and Hampton went and then eventually Central went. Um, And by the time I came back, St. Paul's ended up closing down and yeah, we lost those three because CIAA had 14, 16 members in its conference right. before several of them left to go to the MIAC. But when I was there, it was CIAA.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, we're going to get into that a little later because even some of my colleagues have never been to the CIAA. I don't even call it a tournament, I call it an event. I've been. my <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> But uh, let me ask you, so you get to this position and yes, we talk about the often on the show. What were your biggest challenges initially and, and, and be honest with you as a female stepping into what was traditionally a male job? Because now there are three females of our five black conferences, Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes, mm-hmm. and I believe the MIAC. But you are yeah. nobody else. Tell me about it.
4: Yeah, so there there are there are two Division Three sisters that are um Portia Hogue and Danielle Harris. They're in Division Three. Um, Sonia, myself, and then Kiki Barnes, and then Sharika Montgomery was hired last summer at the Big South. So we there's six of us and we're represented, which is nice. When I came in the position, it was just me, and it was me for probably five years before the first, second. Black female commissioner was hired full time. Um, And I think all of us, as we talk and communicate, and we have a very close knit of a sisterhood in this commissioner commissioning, um, the challenges are what, you know, what most of us experience, the isms. Um, You know, I didn't take this job to be the first Black. I took the job to lead, to be a commissioner, to strategize, to help this conference grow and you know, when you get in this position, people see that I'm a woman and they see that I'm a Black woman. And people were mean. I mean, I think my first two years were extremely challenging from all ends. You know, I came in from a predecessor that there was only three commissioners at this conference. I played, when I played at Hampton, the first commissioner, Bob Mormon, was the commissioner here. Um, and then I worked for the second commissioner for a period of time. And then now I'm the third commissioner. So you're coming behind, you know, the first commissioner was there over 20 something years. The second was over 20 something years. And here I am the first, you know, taking over a male legacy. And fortunate, you know, there's some some great things that were left behind and some things that just had to be transformed and people don't like change. So I was that woman. I was making changes with the tickets, making changes with the tournament, took away this, took away that. Well, we were in a deficit and um, the conference was in a serious um, trouble of being able to sustain itself. And my job was to transform it. And that's what I did. And so, you know, people are mean on social media. Um, You know, why is a, a, a man needs to be in there? Why is a woman in there? You know, but you have daughters like men who have daughters are saying that. Um, I would be in meetings and sometimes I'm the only one, and that's been historical. Um, and sometimes the things that I say and while my male white counterpart says the same thing, we've all been do that. And what they said wasn't no different what I said, but they took more serious or heed to what they said. So I just learned to call it out when I see it and feel it, hear it smell it um, with confidence and keep it moving. but, those challenges exist. They still exist now. But at the end yep. of the day, you know, I have a role and a job. And and, and other women are watching me around the table. You know, my colleagues, um, you know, if I don't speak up and advocate for myself, you know, it doesn't encourage and empower other people to do the same. And so I refuse to be in this role and not lead with the power and authority that I've been given to do the job that I dreamt about.
1: Amen, Commissioner. I'm gonna ask one question, and I'm gonna to go to some of my co-hosts. But um, what I have found, or at least I think I see, in your position, uh, what doesn't have gender and what doesn't lie is increasing the bottom line in growth, and, and nobody can take that away. So, where did you learn the business side of this? Because you've expanded the CI, like increased the revenue, the logos, the marketing, the brand, and I even. Listen to another interview of uh, why you moved to C.I.A.A. from Charlotte, to Baltimore, business wise, and that's the So tell us where did you learn that business savvy from? And then I'm going to come to Dr. Kemp for the next question, and we'll go around our co host
4: Well, that's a good question because as soon as you said that, I was like, my daddy, because my daddy. All right, was... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I look at managing the business of the C.I.A.A. as I try to manage my own. Like I want short term and long term longevity for my family as I would and legacy for my family as I would want for the CIAA. You know, there's so many opportunities with the brand that I see at the conference. And it's so exciting to one that I played for it. i worked in it. I was at some of the schools. I breathe it. I love it. um, And it has value. Some of that, too, I got from my board members, you know, they're, they're struggling or trying to find their way at their campuses and raising money. You know, we can't be afraid to ask. Um, and sometimes it was scary. I was in a few positions where I'm like, we are absolutely not doing this. And if we don't do this, this could be the consequence. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we may not get this or we may not get that. And honestly, everything that We have strived for things that I said we are not going to do, and we'll just have to, you know, bite the bullet. God has just blessed us. I remember in COVID, I said, um, you know what, Lord, just give us so much manna. We ain't going to know what to do with it. (laughs) Because I know there's a blessing here in all this challenge, and our conference could close like any other organization. And you know what? He gave us strategy, He gave us ideas. We did our virtual. tournament we still impacted baltimore community we uh, impacted youth the sororities and fraternities still got to participate we had live jill scott and letacy and all these people a part of a virtual experience so i understand and value the assets and how we can sell them um and the connection is with the heart right i'm a heart leader and i believe i'm not a transactional person so if you want to be a part of something great then you got to come with your hands, heart, and head in a authentic type of way. Because when you do, we're going to deliver. And I think time okay. and time again, the conference shows that it delivers and people want to be a part of it. So the HBCU Go deal, that's big. The Under Armour yeah. deal, that's big. I mean, and the list goes on of the yeah. opportunities yeah. that I've been able to negotiate. The negotiating yeah. is hard, but I think it's it gets more exciting when you see more yeses and no's because you're bringing it to the table in a way that people believe in your property and they know that you're going to deliver every single time
1: i'm gonna cover dr kemp for the first question or comment for commissioner if we are dr.
2: Kim? our commissioner it's so exciting to have you on the show and so impressed with your resume um, and it's just wonderful just to see you in this role since 2012. Um, my question is, um, if just some of the young ladies that may be listening or some of our student-athletes, um, one day, especially the, the female athletes, one day mm-hmm. want to strive to um, be a commissioner, what advice would you give them?
4: Yeah, my advice would be always work on yourself um and work hard for others like you you, this role is a servant leadership role it's really not about me and you can make it about yourself and sometimes it is about me but the work that you do even if you're playing on a team you know i played on a national championship team i played on two conference championships for volleyball um and you can be an all-american you can be player of the year and all of that but it doesn't really matter if you don't recognize that it wasn't just about you it was about the members of your team your coaches that helped you get there if you can take that baseline level with you wherever you go i think successes yeah. is, is in your it's in your mirror like you you will be able to visualize yourself being a great leader on great teams. You will recognize when there's some bad players and they need to sit the bench or you need to get rid of them. You will recognize when you have a leader that doesn't respect you or value, but your emotional intelligence will let you know that it's not about you, that it's their issue and not yours. So you learn to carry your own strength, your own emotional strength and, intell- and that takes work. I didn't get here like overnight. It's taken work of therapy, it's taken work of good people around me, it's taken work to let folks go. Not everybody on your team gets to go with you. So Mm. I would say recognize those players that deserve to be on your starting five and recognize those who need to be cut or let go so that your journey and path can continue because a lot of players will try to hold you back because they want your place. And you it. can have my place, but you ain't got to bring me down to get it. And you got to recognize that. So
1: All right. It, Thank uh-huh. you, uh-huh. Commissioner. Uh-huh. The next question or comment, I'm going to come to Steve, and then I'm going to come to Terry after that. Coach Stephen Wright, co-host, Steve, for <laughs> Commissioner Williams Park. Uh,
0: Commissioner, uh, I'm very impressed. It's, g- it's good to meet you, good to talk to you. And I know that you had said that... Um, when you first got the job, you know you 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 face some backlash and stuff on the um, uh, social media and all that stuff, and you have to be strong. And I know you got the job because you deserved it. And the thing about it is, a lot of people, is, is, and 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 you as uh and my black co-host females on this uh, show realize that the first thing they do is they label a black woman as being angry if it's not working out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the first thing they do (laughs) and it's pathetic because you you all are the only ones that they ever label this but let me ask you this how hard is it when you have to let somebody know you've got to cut ties with them that they're just Mm -hmm. not going to fit the program that you have how hard is that to do
4: Oh, Coach right. I mean, you know, you I'm a heart leader. Remember that
1: Uh
4: I value friendships, I value relationships, and I value the impact of decisions that it has on other people. So anytime I've had to let somebody go, um, it hurts. Mm -hmm. It takes me a minute to, you know, to recover it, whether it's a personal relationship of friendships, or whether it's Um, a professional Um, and it's hard, but I think part of it is for me is being honest with myself um, and being honest with the other person um, that if it's not working, then probably the best version of myself is going to be without you. And the best version of yourself is going to be without me and us making the separation and ties is probably what's best for the both of us, at least in this, at least in this part of the transition or whatever you call it. I mean, there's a season for everything. Um, and some people are in your season for a time, reason, a season. And sometimes people have to, to move out of that season when it's time and it's hard. But for me, as I would tell my team, I'm gonna be here longer than anybody as long as I do the right thing. I don't fire right. people, you fire yourselves. Right. You don't work hard, yeah. you don't do the things that you don't, you don't do the things that you need to do. Then you manage yourself out before I manage you out. So, and I got that from Dr. Um, um, oh my goodness, one of my mentors. Why am I having a, um, a I don't want to say a senior moment because I'm not almost senior. Saying, oh no, I, ah. I'm <laughs> I'm not senior yet. But no. one of my one of my mentors just said, you know, you don't think about when you're leading and you're managing individuals and people you know they get to determine their destiny. Uh, and it's my job not to make it hard for you. Um, yeah. it's your job to use the opportunity and if you don't then you know you can't stay. Right. It's that simple. Right. Not even my daughter, she'll tell you. I'm like you got one more chance and you don't pay that bag <laughs> and get me out of here. Uh, it's that simple. I worked too hard.
1: Come on. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Now, excellent. All righty. Um, Commissioner, we have a couple more questions and then I want you to give us about five minutes to talk about the CIWA tournament and then really explain it for those who haven't been there, the event. But I'm gonna come co host Terry Williams. Terry, question, comment, Commissioner Williams. Parker. Hi, Commissioner. Yeah. So Hi. you mentioned that
5: you had a learning curve. And for the people in the audience tonight or in the future when they come back to re-listen to this episode, can you just talk to athletes or in general, if you're not an mm-hmm. athlete, but you're interested in this role of commissioner or being part of um, conference organization at a much higher level, mm-hmm. What is what are the details? What is it that you had to learn and how do you use what you've learned in your role today
4: that's a great question um and uh, you know every year i kind of themed out from 2012 until probably a few years ago i kind of themed out my journey um because it was extremely hard I, i didn't know if i would be able to sustain and mental health is a, a huge thing, not just for athletes, but administrators as well. But even as an athlete, you know, having that confidence and self-esteem, you know, the criticism that you get, whether it's from your teammate or from your coach or whatever, you know, or your family. You know, I grew up in a military family; we moved all the time. Uh, my dad was really strict, um, and so just trying to manage what all that means and how I manage myself and deliver. And I would say, you know, my emotional stability, having the anxiety attacks, having um, almost feeling like, I don't want to say a nervous breakdown, um, but really trying to manage the emotional side, not feeling enough. You know, we talk about imposter syndrome, like was I really supposed to be the commissioner? Am I overthinking this thing? Can I really deliver and do the job? Um, and, And every year I keep, exceeding expectations. Just like as a player, I exceeded expectations. I worked hard and did the work, but I think, you know, you if you're a people pleaser, you're gonna drown. And I would tell you, don't be a people pleaser. You know, work on yourself constantly, you know, get the help and support. You're not on the island by yourself. I will admittedly say that, you know, there are two times in my life that I wanted to leave this earth and twice, One time I attempted, I was 10. Um, The second time I thought about it and I got help. Um, And from that point on, you know, God spoke to me and said, "I'm, I'm not done. I was 25 and I was young and I was in the profession. I was working at Virginia Union and I just didn't know what my life and what meaning meant for me. And I had a job. I was coaching. I had five jobs at Virginia Union. That's what happened to division team. You get multiple jobs. <laughs> and, but I enjoyed, I had a great athletic director, but I wasn't emotionally healthy. I wasn't emotionally healthy in relationships. Um, I could go to work and get that done, but I would go home and I was drowning don't go home and drown if you do you've got to find that support you've got to find help because it's easy for all of us to do our work the way that we do we you know we can get caught up on checking that list and doing the good work at work and but we get home and whether you're with a partner or not um, if you don't take care of yourself you're not going to take care of the people around you and so i would say constantly think about where you are emotionally, spiritually, physically, intellectually, that work has to continue continuously. It's not just at the age of 20, 50, 60. It should never end on how you take care of your well-being so that you can be the best version of yourself, whether you're a student athlete, whether you're a commissioner, whether you're a coach, or whether you're running this podcast. You want to be able to give and deliver the best that you can and be honest in those moments when you can't. I think that's the thing. I've been honest with myself in those moments where I'm just not in a good space and I'm okay with yeah. saying it
1: now. All right. All right. Dr. Kemp is about to about to label you past the commissioner. <laughs> you know <laughs> Commissioner Parker, you're at home here now. You have all hbcu Fist, Tennessee State. Love you at home oh. there. Two from oh, Fist, yeah. two from Tennessee State. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All
3: right, uh, Joel Bowers, come on, Joel. Yes, comments, yes. Comments, yes, Commissioner comments, Parker. Comments, First thing I want to say, I can see be, the here, Lord's Joelle. vision. Yes, I mm-hmm. can see the Lord's vision, and through your voice, and God has been there. I want to congratulate you on your success because you went through. You have tenacity and perseverance, and I mm-hmm. see you went through there with eyes wide open, and you learned a bachelor's in psychology. First of all, that's studying of the mind. For those people that don't know, maybe we all needed to take more of that. <laughs> and then next is sports management and, and administration. That was part of your vision then that you didn't know that will land you to this day and what you've been doing the last 12 years. So I wanna congratulate you on all that and let you know that what you said, together we can, together we can. Yes. Uh,
1: Commissioner, we promised uh, Tanya and your staff 30 minutes because we know that you are um, busy, busy schedule. But before you go, uh, explain the event of the CIAA basketball tournament. I've gone when it was in Raleigh, I it was in Charlotte, and uh, I'm ashamed to say I haven't gone in Baltimore yet. But just try to give a feel to our audience and our staff here what the CIAA basketball event is all about and tell us the dates this year oh, and yeah. the date um
4: i absolutely love this conference i love all of our championships but this tournament it is an event and it's the one time of the year In February, our theme is February is, and to me, it's February is C-I-A-A, February is family, it's community, it's HBCU, it's for life. It is a place where all of our institutions, past, present, and those who are HBCUs and non-HBCUs can gather with us for a week. Um, And it's in Baltimore, February 25th, no, 26th through March 2nd both our men's and women's tournaments. Um, they start on Monday. We have 13 schools um, and 26 teams that will play starting Monday. So it's a long week. But in the midst of that, we've got all kind of stuff. You know, our, our, our three pillars are legacy leadership and community. So everything that we do around the game of basketball will help tell the stories and leap impact as part of legacy. Our Hall of Fame event that we have, I mean, it's spectacular um it's just one of those events that you don't want to miss as we celebrate the history of this conference our first tournament was in 1946 and so what's interesting um we will be celebrating 50 years of the women's basketball tournament next year so we're leading up so it's kind of crazy to say it's just 50 years and we're celebrating like 79 of the men but it's okay because the men are going to celebrate with us as we celebrated their 75 but it's just a week of all kinds of things. We have alumni party, we have career expo, education day for our youth, our kings and queens, they come and they have activities. We do leadership development program for student athletes from our campuses that we bring together. It's like a summit for them. Uh, We have a diversity and equity and inclusion um, event for executives. We try to make sure that we have people who are decision makers in that room. Hearing the stories of our youth and what's happening on their campuses, so that they can go back and affect change, no matter what it is, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's gender, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's um, it's um, you know a place where you there's a sense of belonging, and so Baltimore has been excellent in working with and helping us move tickets. Um, if you go into Baltimore, we go there this week. The signage is it feels to me, and I work for both the men's and women's final four, and had the pleasure to see Vivian Stringer coach um, at the 2007 final four in Cleveland, um, which was an honor. Um, And you know she's going into, she's being honored for the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, and I'm on that board, Um, so I'm excited to see that happen. But our tournament is really that place where if you don't know about it, you need to come and see it for yourself. It's really hard to explain, because there's so much going on and it is a party but yeah. it's not the reason, <laughs> only reason why we go this tournament is about food it's about party but it's centered around basketball earl of pearl comes back when he can bobby dandrick comes back when he can i mean some of our great women female uh, players come back um but it is it's a time so go on the to ciwa tournament.org you can see the entire week our goal is to sell a million dollars in revenue and ticket. If we do it, it's historical for us. We, we are selling all the tickets in-house. We're not asking our schools to sell them anymore. We're taking the responsibility and driving ticket sales and hotel sales because the more we sell, the more I can give back to our 13 member schools into scholarships. And so it, it's, a, it's a beautiful place to be, to see the black blackly black need Black of people in Baltimore. The mayor says they're black and they're black too, just so you know. But it's a beautiful space um, to really celebrate HBCUs and community.
1: Yeah. All right. Commissioner Parker, I know it. The staff told me. I know you're in full demand, and the commissioner's job never stops. But never. Uh, <laughs> in, 30, <laughs> in 30 minutes, you've given us about a year's worth of great knowledge and advice. Not just for your leadership and, and leading this conference, we see how the CIAA is where it is, and continue to grow. um You don't need an invitation, and you always have a voice at home here anytime you want it. And thank you, staff, so much again for uh, getting us in touch with you. We just want to say thank you. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, let's go CIAA. Thank you so oh. much, Commissioner thank Jackie. You. Yes, McWilliams Parker. Everybody on and tell us they thank you, because I'm not sure thank you, you them,
3: But thank you. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. Hope to see thank you at the tournaments. Wow. <laughs> yes,
2: please
3: stop. <laughs> right. Y'all take
1: care.
2: We'll take a, we'll take a break.
1: We're coming back in about one minute. Welcome back everybody Dr. Cliff Burton friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics wow what a treat now we're gonna go on we're now getting ready we're in our conference play the two conferences the three conferences we're covering this week the MIAC the SWAC and the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference so here we go in women's play conference and conference records only conference state three and zero. Norfolk State 2 and 1, North Carolina Central 2 and 1, Howard 2 and 1, Maryland Eastern Shore, 1 and 2, Morgan State, 1 and 2, Delaware State, 1 and 2, and South Carolina State. They are 0 and 3. Now, there'll action this Saturday On January 27th. You can have Coppin State at Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, Maryland Eastern Shore, South Carolina State at Delaware State, and Howard will be at Morgan State. So there you have it. Women basketball, MIAC. Now let's go to the standings. This is the conference record for the SWAC. Jackson State five and zero, Grambling four and one, Bethune Cookman three and two, Alabama A&M three and two, Arkansas Pine Blue, three and two seven, Prairie View two and three, Alcorn State two and three, Louisiana M two and three, Texas Southern two and four, and one and four. Alabama State and Mississippi Valley State. They are one and five. Okay, Looking at down the schedule. This what you have going on this Saturday, January 27th. Women at Alabama AM, Texas Southern, Alabama State of Fort AM, Mississippi Valley State of Gremlin State, Jackson State of Purdue Cookman, Alabama State of Purdue, and Arkansas Pine Bluff will be playing at Southern. That's what you have going on this week in the uh, conference play. Now, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference and the women's standings, Fisk University. Conference records only: eight and one. Rust eight and one. Philander Smith seven and two. Dylan six and four. Wiley five and four. Oakley three and five. Tuscola three and six. Talladega three and six. Southern University of New Orleans one and seven. And the Virgin Islands are zero and seven. And now I'm going to turn it over for the men's standings to my co-host, Joel Bowers. Joel, and
3: Delaware State going three and O in conference. North State with a two and one. North Carolina Central with a two and one. Howard, two and two. Morgan State, one and two. South Carolina State, one and two. Chopping State, one and two. And Maryland Eastern Shore, one and three. Next, I have for the SWAC Men's basketball standing, starting um, with Alabama State with a 4-1. Jackson State, also 4-1. Gramlin State, 4-1. Southern, 3-2. Bethune-Cookman, 3-2. Arkansas Pine, Bluff, 3-2. Texas Southern, 3-3. Pra- Prairie View, A&M, 2-3. Alabama, A&M. We have a two and three Alcorn State two and three, Florida A one and four, Mississippi Valley zero and six. You guys, I'm getting so excited. They playing some ball, and then next, unless I will go on to the Gulf Coast, unless then my co-hosts want to say something about the Miac or the Swat. Nope. nope, keep going. Okay, and keep going. And now in the Gulf Coast. We have Talladega with a 6-0, uh, Philander Smith with a 9-1, Tougaloo with a 7-2, Fisk with a 5-3, and shout out to my Fisk guys, Wiley with a 4-6, Dillard with a 4-6, Russ 3-6, Southern with a 3-6, Virgin Islands with a 1 and 6, and Oakwood, Alabama with a 1 and 6. And there you go for the GCAC men's basketball standard.
1: All righty. Thank you so much, Joelle. Now, let's turn briefly to football and uh, NFL. Yep. And uh, Jim is not with us this week, but we're going to give him a shout out because the Detroit Lions are in the championship game. In fact, we have two championship games. Uh, we have the Detroit Lions and they're going up against the San Francisco 49ers. And then the other game, uh, we have the, what? Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, who are they playing? Oh boy, Steve, who are they playing?
0: The Baltimore Ravens, Lamar. Oh boy, <laughs> all right,
1: all right. So let's go around the horn and uh, I'll step out there first. Uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs, I'm going to have to go with Baltimore. Uh, Joelle, Ravens-Chiefs, weigh in for us.
3: Okay, on the Ravens and the Chiefs, I'm still going to have to go for with the Chiefs. I am. Right. That win that they pulled out, I'm with them.
1: All righty. Going with mm. the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, all right. And then uh, we have the other game. Steve, what's our other game?
0: Detroit and San Francisco.
1: All right, I'll step out there, and we don't want Jim to get too mad. I love the Lions, and I'm gonna stick with them. Detroit uh, over San Francisco. Doctor Kemp, Detroit and San Francisco. What do you have? You no, know I got the Lions. Uh oh. Okay, Jim. All right, Jim. All righty. All right. All, right. All right, Terry. What do you have? San Francisco and the Detroit Lions. Oh, that's a tough one. I gotta yes, go to San Fran for this one. Gotta keep it all right, right San Fran, all Alrighty, we'll take that. We want everybody else to type in the chat who's in our uh, chat room. We have 63 engaged listeners and 13 in the chat room. Type in, who you going for? Lions, Ravens, Chiefs. All right, type it in, let's see who you have. And we'll go from there. We're gonna take a one minute break and then we're coming back. Steve's been off a week, but he's got a lot of basketball for us, okay? The Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We want to welcome about 66 engaged listeners and 13 also additional in the chat room. Let me read a few before we get to you, Steve. Terry says, A lot of love for Pastor Mahomes and Kelsey, the duo. All right. uh Marlo, Lions and Ravens. Jim, we know he's for the Lions. All right, here we go. Steve, get us some nca men and also some nba a lot of action and also the trade deadlines coming up in the all-star game all right steve thanks away.
0: all right uh, you know the conferences are in full swing right now uh, and uh the top 10 in the ncaa men's division one basketball we have the yukon huskies at number one at 17 and two they just got their big man back donovan Clingan. And he is long. He makes a big difference. Purdue checks in at number two at 17 and two. Uh, North Carolina is playing great basketball. And uh, I think R.J. Davis is going to be one of the players that may challenge uh, Zach Eady for player of the year. They won about eight straight games and all in double figures, all by double figures. The Houston Cougars are number four at 16 and two. Their only two losses are conference losses. Uh, their first year in the Big 12, one game I was watching, they lost to uh, Iowa State at the buzzer. Tennessee is 14 and four. Uh, they're led by uh, transfer Dalton Connect. Uh, he's about a 6'6 shooting guard, and he can play. He can really play. Kentucky checks in at number six at 14 and three. They got great news before the game Saturday against uh, Georgia where the uh, player that had been uh, ruled ineligible by the NCAA, Zanimir Ivisic, played his first game and he had 13 points. Uh, he's 7-3 and can play in or out. I think he had four threes in that game. He looked good. He's long. He can defend. Uh, Kentucky, I, I look for them to make it to the Final Four this year. I was going to ask you that, Steve. I, 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 they, they, uh, everybody talks about the youth of their guards, uh, especially with Wagner and Dillingham. But uh, especially Dillingham, you can't stay in front of him and, uh, and they've got Antonio Reeves who can shoot the lights out. They've got a good team. They, they really do. They, they're just going to need to get uh, Edwards more involved with them offensively if they want to, you know, keep going upward. Kansas checks in at number seven. They're 16 and three. Auburn checks in at number eight at 16 and two. I don't care much for Bruce Pearl, but he might be the best coach in the SEC. Uh, is Steve, is Bruce Pearl still
1: pressing a lot? He loves to pressure the full court. Uh, he he loves the uh,
0: style. Yeah, not. He's more half court now, but they put a lot of pressure on you. They're not like uh, Houston. Houston predicates everything about their own ball defense. And Auburn does that, but nobody plays on ball defense like Houston. Houston's only given up 50 points a game. Wow. 50. And I mean, that's, that's unheard of at this day and time. And uh, I wish they would use a ball to shoot when they went to practice. But other than that, you know, because <laughs> I'm like, what, what are you doing? But uh, uh, Arizona checks in at number nine at 14 and four. They were getting blown out by UCLA the other day. UCLA was celebrating, celebrating, and uh, Arizona came all the way back and beat them. Uh, mm. Hey, when you got Mick Cronin on your bench, at UCLA, yeah. the thing is possible. Yeah. And they lost. Uh, yeah. Illinois. 10 at number 10 at 14 and four, they got Terrence Shannon back who had sued the NCAA uh, and he was re- and he's not the NCAA. He's, he, he sued the University of Illinois uh, for due process and he was actually reinstated and his first game back, I believe he had 16 and they won. Uh, uh, we've had some we've had two incidents of court storming. Uh, one was the one women's game between yep. Ohio State and Iowa, where Ohio State upset Iowa, and they stormed the court. And I saw the girl ran right into Caitlin Clark. I mean, yep. took her out, knocked the wind out of her. She had to be helped off the court. And at Tulane, uh, Tulane beat Memphis, and they stormed the court. And a student shoved uh, David Jones, uh, Memphis's leading scorer. So they're going to have, the SEC is pretty strong about the way they do it. They find you really, really substantial when that happens. And uh, DePaul coach Tony Stubberfield uh, was fired uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, He was in the midst of his third straight losing season. So they relieved him of his duty. Uh, And it was really hard to watch the Paul play, and especially when watch him coach the way he went up and down the sideline. I mean, it was like it, it was just hard to watch. I mean, he he reminded me of somebody that may have been a slave and would point oh boy. about the other slaves that are trying to escape. The way he was running up and down the track. he was trying to tell me hey, he is over there, he just telling no fuck I was like, man, it was just look, it was just it was just it was hard to watch, y'all. It really yeah. was. I'm like, hey bro, we've been emancipated now. Come on. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you know, I knew it was gonna happen. Uh that I'm surprised it didn't happen last year. I knew it was gonna happen, but yeah, but uh Steve, let
1: me jump in before sure. I go we have to go to the NBA. Um, I wanted to interject this at this point in the show. Now, we talk about the NCAA men, but we cannot forget that the winningest coach of all time now, male or female, in Division I is Tara Vanderveer from Stanford. 1,200 and three wins. She surpassed Mike Krzyzewski, and pretty soon, Gino Ariema will surpass Mike Krzyzewski. And when you look at The women's game did not start much later i just want you to comment on the accomplishments of uh these two coaches of course vivian's not far behind but now uh, the winningest coach all-time men or women tara vanderveer
0: you know she has just been a great basketball coach and ambassador for not only the women's game but for the game period Uh, any coach could look up to her she started at our and then, of course, she's moved to Stanford where she's won three national championships. And she has not lost a step. She's 70 years of age. Uh, she's still strong. Her teams are always good and always competitive. Um, like she said, she passed uh, Coach Krzyzewski. Uh Gino Ariema is seven or eight wins behind her. And uh, I don't think Gino's going to retire anytime soon. And I don't know how far. How how much longer Tara's gonna go, but Tara actually looks like she's not in a hurry to retire. She still uh, has that vigor for the game. So, yeah, it's a great accomplishment. Uh, I think, uh, I think Gino will pass her because of the talent that Gino still gets. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. yeah.
1: Let me get a comment. I want to come to Terry about she played at Virginia Tech and and, uh, Major College ball on the accomplishments of Tara Beer. So I'm going to come to Terry, and then Steve will come back. We'll go a little NBA and John Chaney right back to you. But Terry, give us your comments on the accomplishments of Tara Beer, Coach of Stanford.
5: Listen, uh, you know, she's done some amazing things. If you remember Brittany who came on to the Mm -hmm. show following their national championship win, you know, it's been a launch pad, not just for student athletes, but for coaches to go on and start there and run their own programs. I mean, not that I follow Stanford, interestingly enough, it's where I wanted to play. I wanted to get as far away from home at a major university that was known for their academic prowess. And the first university that came to mind for me was Stanford. So I could have potentially at one point in my life been a Stanford alum for women's basketball. Be that as it may, I believe that everything worked out as it should have been. But anyone, anyone, anyone who surpasses Mike Krzyzewski's win record is okay in my book, regardless of yeah. whether you pat, you know, you follow the careers from start to finish or not, that's a ginormous accomplishment and all credits goes to what she's been able to do over there.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Perry. Steve, give us a little MBA and then I'll change
0: Steve. Well, you know, the NBA is, is always busy. Um, the first thing I wanted to say is on a serious note, um, Golden, the Golden State Warriors assistant coach, Dijon Milojevic passed away about yep. four or five days ago. They were having a team dinner and he suffered a heart attack and he passed away the next day. And if you look around the league, he was well respected and well loved, not only with Golden State, but outside of Golden State and all of the NBA. And so I just want to send blessings to his his family during this time. I think he had a wife and and two children. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Griffin, uh, the uh, coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, was fired today after 43 games. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, I, uh, I knew he was not going to make it the whole year. I said, <laughs> dude, you are going to get – you can't – coach, like – I, okay, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. We did have a trade. <laughs> we did have a trade today where Terry Rozier yeah. was traded to the Miami Heat for Kyle Lowry. I mean, Pat Riley strikes again. Uh, I guess he used the Jedi mind trick uh, to uh, on Charlotte and got uh, Terry Rozier. Uh, he will upgrade the position as especially because he can generate points and they uh, Miami actually had three people averaging over 20 Tyler hero Jimmy Butler and bam out uh Terry Rozier was averaging 23 a game now he won't get that with Miami but he'll have some big nights there and the trade deadline is coming up and you've got some teams that are positioning themselves. Uh, there are a lot of rumors out there with the Lakers and DeJounte Murray and Colin Sexton at Utah. So there's a lot going on, uh, especially leading up to this trade deadline. Uh Joel M B. Oh boy. And, and I watched this game. I was watching this game. Seven had 70 points and 18 wow. rebounds. Wow. Oh. Uh let me tell you something. Uh he is impossible to stop. He can do anything on that court. And when you combine his strength, athleticism, and skill level with that shooting touch he has from all over the floor. I mean, he could he is ridiculous. And I said to myself, this guy's gonna have a 70-something point game. And and he did. I was like, he's, he's, he's got Victor Wimbenyama, Victor Wimbenyama also had 33 points and seven rebounds. He's seven, four, seven, five. And let me tell you something. It's going to be scary how good this guy's going to be. Yeah. This guy is going to be, if I was San Antonio and Greg Popovich, he doesn't need to know, know anything from me, but I would have him, even though he's listed as a center, I would have him watch as much of George Gervin that mm. he could. Because wow. this kid has the ability to do that. George Gervin mastered every shot that's ever been invented on a basketball court. The jump shot, three-pointer, mid-range, bank shots, scoop shots, reverse layups, finger rolls, hook shots even. So, I mean, you see him shooting sky hooks. Uh That's what I'd have him watch. Um, Cat Carl Anthony Towns, Cat Towns had a 62-point night, the same night that Joel had the 70. And they were winning the game, and they concentrated on him breaking that record. And uh they got beat. Team right. walked around got beat. The coach criticized them after the game and uh and everything, but uh, you know, 62, 62. Uh yeah. Devin Booker had 52 against New Orleans the other night. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant has had back-to-back 40-point games. He had 40 uh, w- uh, a couple of nights ago, and he had 43 last night. On another serious note, James Dolan, the uh, owner of the New York Knicks, and uh, I think he owns the Islanders, too, MSG, he got everything. He's been accused of uh sexual assault that happened back in 2013. Lord help uh, us. And uh, so we don't know how that's going to go. Uh, I read a little bit of it, of much as much as they put out, I read. And it's going to be hard to be proven, even if I want to believe her, which I, you know, outside looking in, I do believe her. I mm-hmm. do believe her. Uh, it's just going to be hard to prove it from what I read. But... Mm-hmm. Outside okay. looking in, I I, I do believe it. I really do. Right.
1: Tristan, Tristan Thompson, history.
0: yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Tristan Thompson thing. was suspended 25 games today for two banned substances, steroids.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
0: Just smoke I some say hello.
1: <laughs> I oh. say hello to Benita. I want to start to Ms. Collymore. Now, Steve, with the little time we have left, we want to make sure that we got this coach, this legend tonight, we want to remember him over the next few minutes. The legendary
0: coach John Chaney tell us about it. John Chaney well his playing career was at uh, Bethune-Cookman and my father actually played against him and he said that John could play but he had this funny shot where he would lift his front leg and fall back and shoot it he said but you know nobody could stop it his coaching career started at Simon Gratz in Philadelphia the very famous high school then he went on to coach at Cheney State, where he won the championship in 1978. He moved to Temple in 1992 and ended his career in 2006 with a career, career record of 741 wins against 312 losses. Uh, he was one of the original uh, fathers of the 2-3 matchup zone in my yeah. L. Yes. He played yes. a two three matchup zone. Uh he played here uh to perfection. Uh he did reach an elite eight at Temple. They had a tough draw. I thought they make it to the final four. They had a tough draw and they put him in a bracket with Duke. And uh Duke beat them. He uh some notable players he had were Mark Macon. Eddie Jones and Aaron McKee, who, who, who had good pro careers. You thought you would have thought that uh, Mark Macon would have had the better career of, of the three, but, um, uh, Eddie Jones and, uh, Aaron McKee did, um, and Macon was coaching a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he, uh, John had that heated outburst with John Calipari. <laughs> and I actually talked oh, to, sweet. uh, coach calipari about it because he was recruiting one of my kids and uh calipari and i were talking about his gas said he wanted to kill me <laughs> let me
1: let me let me ask if marlo or joelle remembers it was 1994 or 93 they may not john cheney going after coach calipari in that press conference dr Kemp, you remember that
2: at all i, I mean, uh, vaguely remember that now now that you're talking <laughs> about it i think i do remember remember uh, saying that. <laughs> we, 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 can't,
1: we can't repeat what
2: he said on on
1: on the air uh let's see joelle do you remember the infamous infamous press conference i think it's 1993 in february uh when uh, calipari was coaching at massachusetts and Cheney didn't like something about him manipulating the rest and he went after him in the conference. so Well, you may, you may not remember that.
3: You remember? I do before? remember, and <laughs> I remember everything that happened. But I just said the thing. You said no, we can't repeat. I was about to no, say, can no, we no. go back and
1: repeat? a <laughs> podcast. No no, 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 that was something. That, that North Philly came out at him. Keep oh, going, yeah. Steve, we got about a few more minutes.
0: A few more minutes. That. Yeah, that, it did come out. And like Calipari said, he wanted to kill me, I see. Yeah, I and, and said his wife and daughter <laughs> was so mad at him after that happened. But, you know, it, he he led with his heart, and he loved his kids. You know, they used to practice at 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm. 5 in the morning. And I'm like, wow. You mean we're going to practice at 5 in the morning and we have the rest of the day. All we have to do is go to class. Yeah. You think I could have made it in that environment clear? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you could have made it. Hey, see? Well, hey, thanks so much. It's a great segment as usual. Great segment as usual. Not enough time. Not enough time.
0: Love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ter- uh, Terry says in this segment Kevin Durant, back back 40s games, but still not in the GOAT conversation. We'll pick that up next week according to Kendrick Perkins. We'll pick it up next week. All right, Terry. We'll pick it up. Listen, I want to, um, and I'll let Dr. Kemp have the last word before we go leave here, but I want to mention, Commissioner Williams says, thank you again for the opportunity of being on your platform, and thank you for having the amazing women on your team be part of this segment and the whole show. It means a lot, and I'm grateful for all of you. Blessings and hugs. But You mean a lot to us as well, Commissioner Williams. Blessings and hugs as well. Dr. Kemp, we'll let you have the last word.
2: That's good. Thanks, Dr. Bird. Just want to remind everybody, just make sure you get yourself checked out in terms of your health. You know, just everyone with the the sudden death of the Golden State Warriors coach, the passing of one of the greats, Dexter King, Um, just everyone, please just go out. And as Commissioner Parker said, mental health is uh, real. So just make sure you just keep yourself checked up. Get your um your health checked out and hopefully we will hear you back on on the show next week with us.
1: All righty, thank you, Dr. Kemp. Hey guys, the show is moving, it's spreading. We have engagement, 72 on the line, 15 in the chat room, and we are now close to 1690 downloads since we started November of 2022. Okay. We've also been heard in 37 states. In eight different countries, so let's continue to spread the word. Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, teaching the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Remind you, our next big guest coming February 13th. We have Coach Pavlik. She is the coach. Division Three national champions in volleyball this year. The Juniata Eagles out of Pennsylvania. In fact, they're the national champions of the last two years on a 65-game winning streak. And boy, we're looking forward. To having her on the show. Continue to spread the word. And again, we'll see everybody back in a hundred and hours from now. Thank you, everybody. Good night,
3: everyone. Good night, all.